On this episode of Locked On Lightning, we discuss the Tampa Bay Lightning heading into Game 3, looking to take a series advantage at home at Amelie. We talk about all that and more, but first, let's play that music. Your Locked On Lightning, your daily podcast on the Tampa Bay Lightning. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome to another episode of Locked On Lightning, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Adam Danker. As always, I'd like to thank all of you for making this your first listen of the day. If you're listening to us on an audio platform, if you're watching us on YouTube, thank you for making us your first watch of the day. On this episode, we talk about the Lightning uh, heading into Game 3, looking to take a serious advantage at home against the Toronto Maple Leafs in the first round of the 2022 Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, coming off a big 5-3 win, what was originally uh, supposed to be a 5-1 win, and, and then they kind of ran out of steam. We'll, we'll talk about that as well. Uh, but really where I want to start is some of the the, the interesting matchups and, and, and how John Cooper is rolling out the lines thus far in this series. Uh, going into this game, well, in game one, let's start there. He had John Ruta and sat Zach Bogosian. But because of, and I think this has not also to do with the injury that Ruta sustained in game one. If you don't remember, uh, towards the end of the game, there was a big, um, I wouldn't call it a brawl, but I would call it a, uh, both teams came together. There was a lot of little mini skirmishes happening along the boards. Uh, Ruta ended up getting cut above his his eyes right in that weird thin part of his eyebrow, of his of his forehead. And he was just gushing blood all over the place. And it, it was kind of a happy coincidence in a way. Obviously, you don't want to see one of your players ever get hurt, especially in a way such as that. Uh, of course, it's not something that's going to keep him out for the rest of the playoffs if the Lightning do end up moving on. But it is one of those things where I felt like Ruda, and we've seen this all pretty much all season long and and it's and I think this is why the lightning went back to getting Bogosian in the offseason bringing him back um Ruda has struggled with the more physical players on the opposing team whenever he's out there obviously he's a big defenseman um and and so that's kind of his forte he needs to go out there and handle that physicality which he does from time to time but when it gets into a situation of a game where it's a lot more of a play, playoff atmosphere, which obviously we've been seeing throughout this entire series for the most part, Toronto is not afraid to be physical. And sometimes just for whatever reason, Ruta just kind of gets a little bit overwhelmed. Um, and, and so kind of having Zach Bogosian in your back pocket, uh, what he brings to the table, the way he plays, because – Ruda's more of, uh, yes, he he is a, a a any team would be lucky to have a defenseman like him. He goes out there and, and he does a lot of good things, a lot of positive things. But it, you sometimes see him kind of lose those battles more times than not along the boards, and it's not necessarily a testament to something that he's missing. It's just his style of play, and Bogosian brings in kind of more of that grit more of that that sandpaper that we've spoken about uh in the past where he he's able to handle those situations he's not afraid to get his hands dirty neither is ruda but uh he he's just able to do that more consistently where 
you don't want Jan Ruda really getting into those situations more times than not, because more times than not, he is going to be susceptible to injury. So uh, like I said, him kind of being out with that, that huge gash on his forehead is kind of a, a, a blessing and a curse because obviously you never want to see a player go down because on the off chance, another D man goes down in this series or somewhere down the road. I, like I said, I don't think Ruda is going to be out for the long run, but at the same time, you, you'll, you want to have everybody healthy and, and it kind of helps, or if not more so forces Cooper into playing Bogosian more, because I felt like if Ruda didn't leave game one with that injury, I think we would have seen him in game two, which I think eventually um, I'm not saying Bogosian wasn't, what was the deciding factor in that game? We we all know in the last pod, it was uh, the Lightning being more of assertive, more being of a proactive team instead of a reactionary team, which has gotten to them into trouble so many times in the past. We saw it in game one, uh, how this team kind of waits for the other team to show their hand before they really do anything, as well as a slew of other things. But I think that really when we look at the dynamic of this series, I think it really comes down to the defensive core and having Zach Bogosian out there, especially on that line with Ryan McDonough, really makes a huge world of difference. Uh, We've seen it over the last two playoff runs prior to this year. Having a guy like that, especially in the first one in the bubble with Bogosian, how much of a difference he made having that kind of player, especially another guy that comes to mind uh, who I really wish was on this team. Then again, you kind of have your third line consist of him uh, in some degree. Uh, And that was Luke Shen. But, you know, the Lightning were able to replace him with Pierre-Edouard Balmar, who has had a fantastic series as well. Like I've stated uh, on this show during the regular season numerous times is that not only his face-off ability, uh, which is something that really the Lightning need more of, uh, not only just from him, but from other players on this team to be consistently uh, winning face-offs. His ability to play physical and just have that off-puck presence, especially on the defensive side of things, uh, really makes a whole huge world of difference. Uh, And then as we're on the topic of lineups and projected lineups, I'm looking at them right now. You got Palat, Stammer, and Kucherov on that first line with Kalorin, Sorelli, Point, Hagel, Paul, Colton, and Maroon, Edward Bemar, and Perry. I like that fourth line. I think we can all agree that's something that has really done. That line has been money for this team all season long. The thing that I'm curious to see, and I would not be surprised if John Cooper does this at some point during the game, is... I really like Stamkos and Kucherov on the first line together. I know that Cooper is very hesitant to move Palat away from Stamkos. He likes Palat and Stamkos on the same line uh, just because of that chemistry, especially how long these guys have been together. Uh, And and Palat, even though he's kind of struggled uh, getting onto the score sheet uh, for a majority of the year, I I think having that, that added chemistry there between him and Stamkos uh, really helps a lot, but I'm curious as to if at some point in the game, uh, because we'll definitely see it on the power play at some point tonight. Uh, but I'm curious if if he would ever move point up to that first line, uh, and then move Stamkos to the wing and have point play in the center position, and then just move Kalorn to the other wing to have Palat play on the left side, because I I think, and I spoke about this on the last episode, the the post game episode was that how important it really was to get 
point going. He had a goal in the last game, which was nice to see. But at the same time, in, in, in the span of the game at that point in time, it really was a meaningless goal. I mean, yes, it was the difference maker in terms of the Lightning winning by two instead of one. Uh, that is a whole other situation, which we'll talk, we'll talk about towards the end of the show in terms of them kind of running out of a little bit of gas there at the end, which I don't really think it was so much that. I think it was just Toronto turning it on. Um, but I'm curious as to if whether the Lightning don't come out of the gates uh, swinging early like we saw them in the previous game. I'm curious as to if, how quick especially if Palat is kind of struggling um, to create chances or finish on chances. How quick is the trigger for Cooper to bring point up to the first line? Uh, obviously, you don't want to do that in the middle of a playoff series, let alone a game. But I think it's still early enough, especially with you playing at home and you able to kind of play with the the lines, being able to play the have the last line change uh, before the, the – as – being the home team, I wouldn't be surprised if we see point out there a lot more with Stamkos and Kucherov, especially and, and as well as Kuch kind of struggling. You've seen him here and there, and and we all know how how quickly he is to jump on himself about you know missed opportunities as and then fall into kind of situations where he'll draw a stupid penalty and put them kind of in a hole or in a precarious situation where it could it could not uh, where the PK might be on the ice more than the actual. Uh, five-on-five team. So we'll see that. I, I would like to see Point really play the center position on that first line. Then that kind of leaves you with Palak, Kloran, and Sorelli, which is kind of, I wouldn't say a bad line because kloran has been playing fantastic lately. I, I like his play up in front. Um, him not only on the defensive side of things, but as well as the offensive side of things. Even if he's not getting on the stat sheet as often as we would like to see him, I still think that that him up front having a big body presence in front of the net creating traffic. I think that's something that really you can't quantify. Um, it's just one of those things you just have to trust that he's going to do what he's done, which he does. But at the same time, I think that also would create a lot of chances for Palat. Um, so hope, maybe we'll see that happen at some point. So we'll talk about more about this and what the lightning could do. You know, once they jump out to a lead in tonight's game, if they do, how can they, maybe stop that surge uh, from the Toronto Maple Leafs. We'll talk about that at, uh, in just a bit. But first, we I want to talk about one of today's sponsors and take a break. And that's first off is Athletic Greens. Now, some of you may know, I just got over COVID. So trying to, throughout the entire time, obviously I can't, I can't be active. I can't really do much of anything, but I'm trying to eat healthy. And the one thing that really helped me uh, kind of get back to, back to, you know, kind of what I was before. And that was ath athletic greens. Now, the best part about this stuff is that all you need is one scoop. They have 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source, superfoods, pro probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day off right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, and your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all, all the things that you need to stay healthy. And it's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, contains with less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything while still tasting good. And the best part, and I love this part, is that it costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew 
have it. It's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself. You're investing in, in the all-in-one nutritional insurance. Now, the best part, even the best part, it gets better and better, is that Athletic Greens is making it super easy for you to get what you need. It's going. They're going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com slash NHL network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NHL network to take ownership over your great health, over your health, and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So we're going to stay right here if you're on YouTube. And if you're listening to us on an audio platform, you're joining us right now. Once again, thank you all of you for the reception and, and the continued just enthusiasm that you continue to bring to this show. So we really appreciate it. And if you want to give us a follow on our social media pages, go ahead and give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore lightning, as well as locked on underscore lightning on Instagram. And then give me a follow at Danky Dank D E N K Y D E N K on Twitter. Uh, I'll be, I tend, I genuinely, generally don't like to tweet during the shows. I mean, during the, uh, the games, but, uh, you know, if there's something that, you know, really sticks out to me, something or something that bothers me or whatever the case may be, uh, I'll probably tweet out. And if you want to tweet to me during the show or tweet out to the show uh, during the game or whatever, uh, go ahead and do that. Uh, and I would and I always try to tweet back to all of you as well. So, uh, yeah. So just continuing our discussion sort of from before the thing, you know, the last game. Uh, the Lightning's 5-3 win uh, to even up the series, heading back home. The thing that really stuck out to me, and, and I thought for the most part the Lightning played a very good, disciplined game. The only thing that obviously stuck out to me that was a little bit concerning was that resurgence that the Leafs had at the end of the game, uh, scoring goals in, in the third period to kind of make it interesting. You had one from Marner, and then you had one from Kerfoot on the shorthanded and I just felt like once Marner got that scored that goal to make it five, two, you, that, that shifted the, the ice significantly in favor of Toronto. And I, I just think that what the reasoning for that was because I, I honestly think, and I'm not saying that the lightning stopped playing, but I, but I think that they somewhat took their foot off the pedal there. I, I think that you're up 5-1. You just got a power play goal from one of your best players uh, in franchise history in terms of the playoffs. Uh, Braden Point getting his 37th career playoff goal. You're up 5-1, and then you're about – you're past the 10-minute the mark at this point, and – you're you're kind of you know you're I, I'm sure guys won't won't probably agree to this or admit to this, but I I think that there probably was some thoughts on the bench that, and we've seen this not only with the Lightning in past years, but with, with other teams in the playoffs in general. Once you get a big lead, which I think is the goal for everybody, because you don't want to have that constant stress of a 3-2 or a 2-1 game or whatever you want to say for a score, you, you want to make the deficit as big as possible. So at, you could kind of sit back and relax. Think, start thinking about the next game. 
kind of and i think the coaches want it in that way as well as just so they could kind of start to kind of cut back on the minutes especially for their big time players and some of the vets on the team and obviously in in, in hockey you don't pull your goaltender and, and substitute him from someone else i mean this isn't like baseball where you have a big lead and you know your your ace is on the mound so obviously you don't you you want to pull him uh limit his pitch count that's not the same thing of course for hockey but i think to some degree i think it's just the mental stress or the lack thereof uh late in the game um is helpful to players throughout the course of a series and i think that once the lightning got out to that 5-1 lead they probably expect it, and you kind of saw it here and there. Um, you kind of saw the the look of somewhat defeat on 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 the the Leafs, and, and I even tweeted it out during the game that there was nothing better than to hear the silence of the crowd from Scotia Bank, and I think that was part of it too. I, I think that, and, and I'm just wildly assuming here and. And, and I think that at that point in the game, the, the 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 fans are pretty much all but out of it. They're already thinking, oh, my God, here we go. It's a repeat of the last six years, uh, especially last year, up 3-1 to Montreal, and then you end up losing the series. Here we go again. Now we're going to lose to the Lightning, the defending champs. And I'm sure a little bit of that was in the back of the head of these Leafs players. And then you get a lucky bounce up to Marner in front of the net from Muzzin, and the game's already five-two. And as we all know, a a three a three-goal game or you know a four-goal game games could very much change and turn around within a matter of minutes. So then you kind of saw the the Maple Leafs start to kind of ramp it up again, and then obviously we got the shorthanded goal on Kerfoot at fifteen forty-three, and then that's when. At least for me, from what I saw from from Leafs fans and the Leafs players, kind of like, okay, we we gotta like kind of ramp it up here, and and you know we could possibly win this. We got them back on their heels, and then you kind of saw on the other side of that the Lightning kind of try to start to start start it up again, and that was the issue. That's always the issue that you run into when players kind of take their foot off the gas pedal. It's very hard, especially when you've been playing, when you're, when you're on that high that the Lightning were on pretty much a majority of the game. When you, when you completely almost shut it down, whether it's intentional or not, it's very hard, especially late in the game with, with a little under five minutes left. It's very hard to turn that back on when it's like, okay, now we got to, we got to, we got to weather this storm and and maybe get another one it's very hard to do that and i think that a lot of that had to do with the fact that the lightning once they got the fifth goal we're kind of playing that defensive uh run out the clock kind of mentality uh and, and that possess that possession uh kind of play that we see from other defensive minded teams uh we've seen it like i've stated multiple times on this show uh the teams that really stick out to me in that regard are the islanders and the stars um uh, but yeah, that I think that the Lightning, and I'm sure you're going to hear if they end up winning big tonight. I'm pretty sure that in the post game, it's going to get brought up. 
I think we're going to hear them say, well, this game we we knew we know we played well last game and but we needed to come out in this one and and play a full full 60 minutes. So I I think that's really what we're going to hear a lot of today. I'm sure. I mean, this is a group of veterans. They know what needs to be done. They need they they know how to play in the playoffs and they know how to handle certain situations. And I think if if we didn't have that veteran presence on this team uh, in the last game, we could have seen a monumental collapse. But that's just me uh, just assuming the worst or, you know, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but yeah, so something that really stuck out to me because, uh, you know, next time the Lightning might not be as lucky. So definitely something to look out for, especially if they're up big. Uh, look how they play in the last 10 minutes of the third. Uh, so we'll talk about keys to this game in just a little bit. But first, I want to talk about our last sponsor of the day, and that is BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find out all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball, and this weekend's run to the roses as the Kentucky Derby is back. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. So once again, if you are watching us on YouTube, you're staying right here. If you are listening to us on an audio platform, you are joining us back after the break. So yeah, uh, you know, it's, I expect more uh, of what we saw in game two tonight. I think the Lightning have finally kind of flipped the playoffs uh, switch. Uh, and, and I said that a couple of weeks ago when they were just running ragged through the Leafs, the Panthers, and uh, the Jets were in that mix as well. Um, but I, I, you know, it's one thing I, I, I think that we could kind of look back at game one now with not a lot of worry as to if we're going to see a repeat performance. Um, Lightning were just overmatched then at, and, and, and what I said, I don't know if I said it on the pod or if I said it off off air, but I, I think that was I think we could agree that that was probably the worst game they played all year. And I think a lot of that had to do with just their heads weren't in it. And that's why I, I disagreed so much with what Mark Messier said um, during I, I believe it was post game or in game uh, between the, the periods or even he even said it the, the day after. I remember on the broadcast that they were just nonchalant. And I don't think that was the case. I mean, there's there's a huge difference, I believe, between being nonchalant and going out there. Because then with with if you say a team is nonchalant, you're you're going out there insinuating that the team did not bring the the effort. And I think they did. You know, there's I I, I believe in the game of hockey not bringing effort. And, and not bringing energy are two different things. Uh, there was definitely a lot of effort and and obviously will out there to want to win the game. At the same time, I don't think the energy was there. I don't think their minds were 100% in this. I don't think they really expected uh, Toronto to, to kind of come out the way they did. Having said that, uh, it really goes back into something that I have been talking about since Really, I, I think, you know, February, but even longer than that is is really just Lightning being a reactionary team instead of going out there and asserting themselves. Uh, that's why they have one of the, the highest winning percentages from come from behind wins. Uh, but actually, they have one of the 
I, I believe they led the league this year and come from behind wins. And that was majority of the time because they gave up the first goal within the first five to 10 minutes of every almost single every game. Um, so it's almost as if like it's a rarity when the Lightning score the first goal, regardless of what period it's in. But keys to the game, I really think that Lightning need to do the same thing that we saw in game two. Uh, you you can't really you can't really go out there hoping and waiting that Toronto is going to make the first mistake. Obviously that, you know, Toronto went out there and did not play well in terms of they, they were on the P they're on the PK seven times. And so, you know, eventually you're going to give up some goals, which obviously they did. The lightning were three for seven on the power play, which was always good to see. And it is definitely a, a big uh, boost to the morale as well as the confidence. And, and obviously you can't allow, you can't go out there and just expect that they're going to do the same thing because you've you've given this team a a, a day uh, to kind of get their ducks in a row. So you got to go out there, you got to come out with a lot of energy because you're especially you're playing at home, and we know how crazy Amelie gets during the playoffs. So that's even more of a reason to come out, uh, get the crowd into it. I mean, they're going to be into it anyway, but get keep the crowd into it. Score a first goal, maybe get one or two before the first intermission. Go in there with a ton of ton of uh, momentum because we saw that in the last game how big that was uh going into the second period uh headman's goal right before and that was obviously a little bit of a, I, I wouldn't say a fluke goal but a lucky bounce that went in the favor of the lightning uh it's it's very rare that we see headman all the way down low near the net especially uh by himself in the manner that he was so um lightning needs to go out there uh play their game and, and what their game is, and I still don't fully believe that they think this, but the days of going out there and running another team ragged on the break are over. The, the rest of the league has figured it out. The rest of the league has 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 been doing that, especially against the Lightning. Uh, the Lightning are a fast team, but at the same time, you have enough very good puck handlers on the team, enough skill skill players all around from every line to be able to go into the zone and and basically and cycle the puck and set up sequences. Um, I think it's a lot more beneficial to this team when they take their time on offensive sequences. Obviously, you got to keep up the pressure on your zone entries. Uh, that was something that they struggled a whole ton with in 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 game one. So that's I would expect that Toronto is going to try and go right back to that kind of stand up Tampa on the break. Uh, at the blue line as they're trying to enter the offensive zone. So that's something that Tampa needs to be wary of. Uh, but yeah, cycle the puck, uh, lines one through three especially. Uh, don't be afraid to, to shoot through traffic. That's going to happen. Um, but make make Campbell work for it early on. Challenge him. Uh, we, he's, he's not one of the top goaltenders in the league. Uh, we saw that in game two. He, he gets overwhelmed relatively easily. Uh, and especially when you when you shoot a lot on him uh, and challenge him, uh, that's something that this team needs to do. And he's not indestructible. Uh, on the other side of the ice, with that, I think that the team needs to do a better job of keeping track of personnel down by Vasilevsky. Uh, Vazzy played fantastic in the last game, thirty-one to thirty-four. Uh, I, I, I think that as long as you limit the chances down low, the high danger chances, uh, keep. I, I would rather I could I would live with with and we saw this in the last game especially uh, the one thing that they need to keep track of is obviously Austin Matthews I would rather have him get the puck at the top of the circle and walk into one instead of 
uh, cleaning up a rebound down low. Uh, because then on, on, on situations like that, on, on loose pucks down low, sometimes, not often, but sometimes in, on some sequences, especially if he's been kind of overwhelmed, um, rush after rush after rush, uh, Vasilevsky tends to get overwhelmed and he'll uh, overcommit and, and you'll see him kind of oftentimes get out of position on those chances. So something that you kind of, kind of a situation where just the guys, all the other four guys on the, on the, the other five guys on the ice need to kind of help out their goaltender, especially if they're on the PK. So the other four guys on the ice need to help out their goaltender. So those are the things that need that really the lightning need to do. It's very simple. Uh, and then you just let your other guys play. Uh, I, I think, um, I, I stated on the last episode and we'll end things here is that Cooch, when he shoots a lot of shots, I mean, look what happens. Uh, the numbers speak for themselves. I, I think that we need to see the aggressiveness stay where it was from Kucherov as well as from Hedman. Let him walk into a couple from the blue line. Uh, let him. I, and the one thing that we haven't seen in a while from Hedman, which uh, uh, don't he shouldn't be afraid, which I mean, we've seen him do. We, we The Lightning have won two cups almost solely based off of this. But his ability to walk it low, uh, walk it into the high slot, I think that's something he needs to do a little bit more. Take a shot from there. Don't be aware. Don't be uh, worried about getting contact because he will get jacked up a couple of times. But uh, especially if you have a big body presence up in front, maybe if you catch him on the ice with Kalorn here or there, uh, that's definitely something to look out for as well. And then obviously set up Stamkos. Uh, for his chances uh, in the circle, as well as let Point take it down the ice by himself a little bit, too, a little of a, a couple of times, because uh, you offer you saw a couple of the chances that he took down where uh, it almost as was as if uh, the Maple Leafs were overwhelmed and, and almost surprised because we haven't seen him really do it that often all season long. So uh, we'll be back later tonight after the game to do a recap. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. Turn on those notifications, whether it be on YouTube or on any audio platform listening uh device so go ahead and do that and we'll be we'll be back after the game so that's been it for this episode of locked on lightning part of the locked on podcast network i'm your host adam danker i'll talk to you in the next one